This is episode number 869 with David Walton. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Plato said, we can easily forgive a child who is afraid of the dark. The real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of the light. Boom. Welcome to this interview. I am excited about this because we have the extremely talented David Walton in the house who I got to know years ago at an event and we've stayed in touch and uh, just a great all around good guy. For those that maybe don't know who he is, he's an actor known for several TV programs, including Cracking Up, the drama series Heist, comedy series New Girl, and on the NBC comedies Perfect Couples, Bent, and About a Boy. And super funny on a lot of these different series, but also just got a big heart. And in this interview, we talk about how David's big break early in his career had a negative effect on his growth, actually how it was pretty easy for him breaking into a very difficult industry of acting and what that did for him, how ego can affect how we handled being judged or dealing with anger, the advice David would give other actors on their journey to Hollywood, the difference in fear of being seen as an actor versus writing your own words and performing them, that and so much more about relationships, about fear of doing what you love, and so many more things. And I love this quote, we can easily forgive a child who's afraid of the dark, but the tragedy, the real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of the light. And this is something that I'm so passionate about is is not being afraid of the light that you were born with. We all have these unique gifts and talents. You have something so special inside of you, but we're afraid. So many people are crippled by the fear of failure, the fear of judgment, and the fear of success. Actually, achieving what we want, people are the most afraid of sometimes because then the responsibility and the pressure to live up to it. And what if people found out that I wasn't who I, who I say I am, right? These fears cripple us, but for me... The tragedy is when we, when we go to sleep without a dream and we wake up without a purpose. It's like, then what are we doing? We need to be focusing on figuring that out. And sometimes we transition. Sometimes we have a dream, it gets lost, and we create new dreams. But that is our purpose and that's our mission here, to continue to pursue it. And this story is a powerful one that I think you're really going to love. Make sure to share it with your friends. Uh, tag David on Instagram, even though he's not that active on there yet. I'm trying to get him more active on there, David Walton. And uh, send someone this link, lewishouse.com slash 869, to be inspired by his journey and everything that he's up to. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. 
From now until March 19th, Whole Foods Market is running their sales event, Taste the Mediterranean. It's a store-wide, flavor-packed journey of regionally-inspired selections. Save on Mediterranean-inspired flavors like Parmigiano, Regano, Charcuterie, and Ground Lamb. Find sales on animal welfare-certified meat. Save on seafood like Whole Bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. Stock up on wallet-happy Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles and whole wheat pita pockets. Wines from the sun-soaked vineyard of Spain, Greece, and Italy start at just $8.99. Must be 21 plus. Please drink responsibly. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. So many of us love coffee, like the living for it type of love. Some like it hot, some like it iced with a splash of creamer, and some like it with a cold foam topping. Many of us stop into coffee shops on our way to work more often than we'd like to admit. But now, thanks to International Delight Cold Foam Creamer, you can make cold foam coffee at home, or in my team's case, in the office, and it's a game changer. I was just chatting with a teammate of mine about our love for the occasional sweet treat coffee. Sometimes, it's just the thing you need as a pick-me-up on a busy day and we just stocked our office fridge with international delight cold foam creamer and it never misses the team's favorite flavor so far is the caramel macchiato you just shake the canister and spray it into your coffee and voila you've got an incredible cold foam coffee no frothing fancy machines or mess required international delight cold foam creamer foams and creams your coffee from top to bottom the best part it works on both hot and iced coffee it comes in three foaming delicious flavors, French vanilla, sweet and creamy, and caramel macchiato. So you can switch things up depending on your mood. Look for your favorite flavor next time you're at your grocery store and be prepared to say goodbye to your barista. International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. It's foaming delicious. And I'm excited about this interview. So let's dive into this one with the one, the only David Walton. Welcome, everyone, to the School of Greatest Podcast. We've got the iconic David Walden in the house, man. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you, Excited too. Excited about this. Yeah, me too. Um, when you walked in, we had a 10-second hug. Yeah, it was about 10, maybe 11 or 12. 11, 12 yeah. seconds. We, we enjoy a long, warm hug. Well, I would say enjoy is an interesting word there because when I first saw you, it had been four years yeah. yesterday, and you came in, and I tried to pull away, yeah. and you held on to me. And I had this weird thing in my head going... This is something I've thought about doing with people. This feels incredibly awkward to me. But then as we held it in, I was like, I am not only getting more used to this than into it, but I like him more now. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. And you remember, you know, I've been known for giving long, awkward hugs. Yeah. As an experiment originally is what I started doing probably like 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. Experimenting it. And my life has been about experiments. Uh-huh. Whenever I'm afraid of something, I say, how can I go all in on this thing and create like a game or an exercise or an experiment around it and see what happens on the other side? I'll do a month, a three-month experiment. Great. And I started doing this because I wanted to have deeper connections with people. Mm-hmm. But I felt like people were on surface level a lot. And especially growing up in Ohio, playing sports, guys had kind of this phobia around hugs. Sure. Even just like a high five and like a little yeah. bring it in handshake was almost too much. Right? Yeah. It was like, don't touch me. This phobia. And so I just wanted to change that. And I was like, I really want to be more intimate with people mm-hmm. and have deeper connections. And so I started doing that and it just kind of stuck. Now I was telling you that 
we have to be careful in certain climates of the uh, of humanity of when that's appropriate and understanding people's energies. So yeah. sometimes I don't always do that, but you read people. You got to read just people. Like twelve seconds, no matter what. Yeah, no, I read people. Yeah, I remember President Clinton or President right? Obama. Just I for know. 12 seconds. Yeah, it might be like yeah. a shock. <laughs> I remember um, we had a, uh, a meditation teacher of mine come on. Uh, for the first time. She wasn't my teacher at that time, mm-hmm. but I was just meeting her. And I gave her a hug, <clears throat> and she was almost, it's almost like she saw a ghost because she's a monk and she doesn't touch anyone. Oh boy. And so <laughs> Tiffany was there, and it was, I felt horrible the whole time I was interviewing her because I just felt like I broke some sacred. And, and she, did she recover? Did she forgive? She was, or was fine, she yeah. rattled? No, oh, she no. moved on. I mean, she's got, you know, the principle of just like not letting, not holding on to things. Yeah, sure. Because you're in suffering when you hold on to something. It was actually probably a really good test to see how, how, what level she was at. Yeah. Are you, you going to suffer? Are you going to hold on to yeah. this? Are you she a true goes, teacher? Are you going to start <laughs> resenting me? You know, we connected years ago for probably, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, maybe? Very briefly, yeah. We had a great connection. Yeah, I agree. And so it's good to see you again. Yeah, and I remember you reached out to me, I think through Instagram, and I, admit, I admitted to you, I think I did Dundax's podcast, uh-huh. and you would, I admitted to you that I've always been like, why didn't I reach out to Lewis after that thing? And then you just sent me your, your phone, phone number like immediately, and I yeah. was like, I just like this guy's style. It's all good. It's just opens it up. It opens up yeah, man. communication without, we get all worried about, I don't know, not being liked perhaps. Exactly, man. Yeah, and, I, and I've, I've liked following your journey. I think I first heard about you on, it was either About a Boy or a New Girl. Yeah. I think that's where I first saw you, and then I started learning more about you from there, and I really liked your style as an actor. And oh, you're a better human you. being. You're a better <laughs> human being. I started learning more about you recently. We both went to boarding school. Mm-hmm. You went to a all-boys school first. Yeah. And then you went to a co-ed boarding school. Yep. Which I went to just a co-ed boarding school. Okay. So you've never been in a single-sex environment. Uh, well, I was in a boys' dorm. Yeah. And then across the campus was the girls' dorm. Probably similar to you. Yeah, right? 100%. And it was all, like, occasionally sneaking out. Occasionally, right? But Occasionally. Was, was it pretty strict for you? Yeah, we get in very big trouble. Yeah. And that's part of, the, I think, the appeal was, you know, breaking rules is exciting for a Fun. teenager. Exactly. Getting out and going to the girls' dorm and yeah, you're like sneaking, sneaking through the window yeah. and like banging on it. Yeah. I only did it once or twice, actually. <laughs> I was pretty terrified. Were you, <laughs> were you a by-the-rules kind of a guy? Did you always mm. follow the rules? That was my family's culture, but I would think everyone would say that I was the black sheep. I have a lot of high-achieving siblings, like... Most of my sisters were all American athletes and really? really abided by the rules. And I kind of was like, I'm not as good at sports as they are. How do I become extraordinary? And I was like, I might as well, you know, like just be different than them maybe. I don't know. Were they like New England? Oh, lacrosse. I mean, the purest uh, field, field hockey, hockey, and hockey and lacrosse. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. They were valid foes for a, a boy. They were strong really? and. And we were talking before, you were asking me uh, if, I, if I have a cocktail, because we were talking about doing golf sometime. Yeah, I didn't know you didn't drink. I don't drink. I've never been drunk. And I'll have a Bailey's on ice. Oh, you will? Once or twice a year. Okay. Oh. Bailey's on ice. One. And a very, maybe two shots. Maybe two. But it's like I'll sip on it for an hour. It's delicious. It's delicious. Delicious. Right? And sometimes I'll put it in hot chocolate for Christmas oh, or something. But um, I think I had a, and you were asking me earlier, why, is there a reason why? Yeah. And when I was a kid growing up, my two older sisters both had some challenges with some 
some alcohol, drug stuff. They weren't like addicted, but they had some instances that were scary moments, right? And I saw them really sick at times from this alcohol stuff, like throwing up and being sick for days or whatever, right? So, and my sister, went, uh, my brother went to prison for four years. When I was eight, he went to prison for drugs, for selling drugs to an under, undercover cop. Oh. And so we would drive to the, uh, the visiting room. It was about a two and a half hour drive to get there, the prison, every weekend for four or five hours. And I would watch, we'd be with all the other families and all the other inmates, and I would just witness and observe what was happening. And it, I don't know if it scared me, but I was just like, I don't want to be here one day. Mm-hmm. And he was there for four and a half years. He got off in good behavior. But um, I just remember being like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. This is not a place. I'm, and if it's smoking weed, if it's drugs, if it's alcohol, whatever it is, I just don't want to do it if that's going to get me here. Yeah. And so I remember I used to steal cigarettes when I was 12. Okay. I was acting out. As a young kid, I was the youngest of four, and I would steal from, like, the grocery store. Oh, from, okay. So, like, a, you know, a felony. Yes, yes. I, I would steal almost every, every time I went into a store, I would steal. I had to steal something for about a year and a half. Wow. What is that called? Like, There's klepto a, or something? Yeah, well, kleptomaniac, maybe. Exactly. But I thought that was stealing from other people, but sure. I, so yeah, it, it was great. like, a, it became a game for me. Yeah. And I started stealing cigarettes, and I would, I remember I wouldn't even smoke them. I would try to, like, take a puff, and I wouldn't even inhale it. Because okay. I was so afraid if I did something, what it would do to me. But that was my bad phase. And, and, and then in high school, I went to a private boarding school, which I know you went to the boarding school as well. Mm-hmm. So you weren't allowed to have alcohol on campus, first off. And right. Kids weren't really going out and buying it. Oh, they weren't? At 16. It just wasn't happening. Yeah. And then I went to college. And then I was playing college football, and there was alcohol everywhere. Yeah. After every game, parties, cake stands, the whole thing. And I remember just saying to myself, I'm not going to get to where I want in my dreams as a pro athlete if I do what everyone else is doing. Mm -hmm. And so it just never became interesting for me at college. And so I made a commitment that I wouldn't have one sip of alcohol in college. Not a sip. Not a sip. Then after college was over, I was like, why would I start now? Did that become your identity in college for the people? Like, oh, there's Lewis. People knew. Yeah. And, And girls would try to like... Get you to? Do whatever I could to, to make it happen. And when you were with girls who were inebriated and attracted to you, how would that work? I would just say no. Oh. I would say no. I hope you're loving this episode with David Walton. I wanted to let you know about one of our sponsors who's been helping a lot of people lately. There's a lot of confusion about CBD nowadays, but not all CBD is created equally. They're not all the same. Adding hemp fusion CBD to your daily routine adds up to a lot of additional benefits. And that's why hemp fusion does so many great things for people. Our bodies already make cannabinoids, and plant-based CBD helps naturally balance your body. So unlike other CBD brands who just offer CBD, hemp fusion is CBD plus omegas plus terpenes to help you feel 100%. And they do this because CBD works best for your body when they are combined with other powerful ingredients. They then add in other natural ingredients to help create products that specifically support you with stress, sleep, and energy. Everything they do adds up to a better product that adds up to a better day for you. Hemp Fusion, it all adds up. It's available both online and at natural product retailers near you and shipping anywhere in the U.S., And if you use the code GREATNESS, you get 20% off your first order and shipping at hempfusion.com. So make sure to go to hempfusion.com. 
hempfusionshipping.com. Use the promo code GREATNESS and you can get Hemp Fusion shipped anywhere in the U.S. And I want to thank another sponsor today, Zapier. Now, growing a business can be challenging. We've talked about this many times, especially when you're wasting hours every day moving data from emails to spreadsheets to your CRM to whatever. Shouldn't that kind of stuff just happen without you having to lift a finger? Well, Zapier can help. And we've been using Zapier for years and we love it. Zapier is the easiest way to automate your work, connects all your business software and handles your work for you so you can focus on things that matter, like focusing on branding and marketing and building relationships and sales and content creation. So there's no more wasting time on tasks that you know could be automated because that's exactly what Zapier was built to do. So just go to this special link, zapier.com slash greatness. Connect the apps you use the most and let Zapier take it from there. Zapier lets you instantly engage with leads, send to your CRM or spreadsheet, and then notify your team so they can act fast on every opportunity coming from. And that's just scratching the surface. They have incredible customer support. They work with 1,500 business applications, so the possibilities are virtually endless. Over 4.5 million people are saving an average of 40 hours a month by using Zapier. I know, it's crazy. And right now through November, you can try Zapier for free by going to this special link at zapier.com slash greatness. That's C-A-P-I-E-R.com slash greatness. Again, big thank you to our sponsors. And let's dive back into this interview with David Walton. It was weird, man, because I didn't want to ever be taking advantage of anyone yeah. or be that guy. And so I would just be like, no, if you're drinking, I'm not going to do anything. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. And then, but now it's carried on. You're 36. 36. And, and, and I'm like a Bailey's. Bailey's. <clears throat> but that first Bailey's you had, was that a weird experience? Or were you, um, was it like, it's like whatever? Well, my sisters gave it to me in hot chocolate, so I didn't really taste it. Oh. It's just like, oh, it's like Did they sweet. sneak it in like you didn't know? They... They had some, and I drank some of it. And I was like, oh, that's really good. And they were like, yeah, it's Bailey's inside of it. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll have one, you know? But, um, but I've just never decided to do it. Yeah. I've, never had, I've never had beer. Or, I think I had one sip of wine. Yeah. And it tasted really bad to me. So. Well, it's a really interesting, you know, I, I, this isn't a scientific method, but a lot of the people who I, I inspire me and are doing really kind of prolific work and deep work, certainly in entertainment, a lot of them are sober. Really? Yeah. Who are the most inspiring? Well, like for Dax, you? you know, Dax Shepard. Uh, he doesn't drink? He, no, well, he's, uh, yeah, he was an AA. So he's like, you know, he had. Uh, he was an issue. alcoholic. He was. And even people like Howard Stern to me, like, you know, you, you would think, and he just doesn't touch anything. and No drugs, no alcohol. <clears throat> no, yeah. I mean, I think maybe he drinks a little bit, like the tiniest bit. And as you get older, like, you can, I can, I've taken long stretches without it and, the amount of productivity. And my my wife is into this hashtag called Sober Curious, which is gaining steam because there's such a pervasive culture of drinking. I was just shooting a movie in Chicago for a month called Later Days. And and I mean, cities like Boston and Chicago, it's just like, it's it's just paired That's what you with do. everything. There's bars everywhere, pubs, everywhere. drinking everywhere. After work, you always go for a drink. Yeah, and, it, and it, I think a lot of people are starting to question that culture and why it's there. And how much good it's actually doing, and our so that sober curious movement is is kind of fascinating because wow. um, so she's work doing that, and I but I have this kind of my relationship to alcohol is 
strange because I know the physical ramifications and the willpower after a night of drinking. You know, if you have a great diet going or whatever and you're being great, it derails you in such a profound way. If you drink, you're going to start eating The bad, next you're morning, you're like, who cares? And I'm just going to rip, like, you know. Five pizzas. Yeah. And, yeah. The, you know. But at the same time, it's ability to bring people together or to have bonding experiences. Truthful experiences. It's truthful and get it and, 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 and kind of silence a lot of things you're fascinated with, which are guilt and unworthiness uh-huh. and, and shame and all these things. Like, there's theories that alcohol, it doesn't make you a different person. It's just if you have all those things coexisting, like if on your highest level you are all love and gratitude and sharing, but you have feelings of unworthiness as well, like we all do, the alcohol just mutes that voice. The unworthy voice. The unworthy voice temporarily so that the way you behave is actually... Pure love. It's more loving. And you see great, you know... I have friends who are kind of like, they're kind of like tough, <laughs> angry guys, and they drink, and it's like, it's like they're they, hugging you at 12 oh, second hugs all day. And it's not annoying. You know, it's like, oh, it's like, and a lot of people would say, like, God, I feel more like myself when I'm drinking. And I, that's, that's across the board. A lot of people feel that way. So that's why they continue to drink more and more, probably. Yeah, and I think, like anything, the more, you know, the, the edges, the extremes are where we run into problems. Yeah. And if you can find a little middle ground, it can be okay. So it's like, and I, I know a drug counselor who would say it's not that anything is bad or good. It's just your, it, your relationship to it. Why do you think people feel more of who they are when they're drinking? And why do you think people can't feel that way when they're living normal life without it? Well, uh, my very rudimentary theory is... Uh, kind of based on this wonderful book called Power Versus Force by Dr. Hawkins, which was like a pretty big book in the 70s. But it's basically like, it's kind of what I just said. It's you're born with all of these layers of consciousness and like the most sort of, the most destructive, he would argue, Hawkins, is like shame, guilt, and and that the big unworthiness. Thing. Yes. And we all kind of are born with that in some level different levels of it and no one really knows why you'll just see a little kid and you can see a heaviness or a cloud and so but we also within us have you know that super high level stuff the stuff that every great you know religion Mm -hmm. ultimately is about which is that oneness and love Mm -hmm. and connection and i think everyone has it inside them at all times and what we do during our day what we decide our intention all those things can elevate us to a certain extent, but that doesn't mean that stuff isn't down there still. And to me, certain uh, substances can mute that, and so people identify themselves with that love, mm-hmm. but with alcohol, they're just not feeling that stuff. So they're like, oh, I feel like more, it's more like me because kind of my problems when I'm not worrying, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not doubting. Do you feel like a lot of actors feel insecure and unworthy? Most of the time? Yeah, I mean, it's a hard one. I, yeah. And you, this have, you have a lot of actor friends, right? Yeah, and I think on a certain level, we all want to be loved and feel important and seen like everyone. And there's a sense of, you know, when you're 17 and you want to be an actor, 
generally it's going to be about how is this going to help me get laid right if you're like on some level is this going to help me be attractive yeah like most musicians i mean yeah there's obviously exceptions but it's kind of like it was poor teenagers everyone's ruled by that everyone's ruled by it's like the most powerful force on earth that sexuality stuff so all the stuff that you're doing i love being able to talk about yeah i don't know things that are kind of expand the dialogue and honor the fact that wanting to have sex is so deeply ingrained and powerful. In our biology and our psyche and everything. God, you know, if anything, it's the most. And so to write off that there's something shameful about that is Mm. not good. It's just more like, are you in control of your your (laughs) s***? And and, because everyone's raging. You know what feels good? Winning. And not just in sports. Like when your coffee's still warm once you reach your job site. Or when you finish a project days before the deadline and coming in under budget. That's claiming victory. You can even claim victory on your taxes by losing your current tax preparer and switching to H&R Block. And once you do, you'll start to feel like a tax champion. Because at Block, you'll have many ways to get your taxes done. You can walk in, make an appointment, or drop off your documents at a time that's convenient for you. You'll get 100 percent accuracy on your max refund or your money back. Plus, with their upfront transparent pricing, you'll know the price of your tax prep before you even get started. So make room on that trophy shelf and prepare to tax like a champion this tax season at H&R Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. Disclaimer, all tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Description of benefits and details at hrblock.com guarantees. My career not only requires me to travel, but also gives me the freedom to. Traveling has brought me so many positive experiences and memories. Like that time I spent the holidays at an Airbnb in Big Bear with some of my extended family, and it was the perfect way to come together and connect with my family that I don't see that often. If you have a similar setup that allows you to travel often, have you ever thought about your empty home while you're gone? More specifically, how you can make some extra money by keeping your home occupied while you're out of town. I'm a big advocate for setting up a side hustle to give you an extra stream of income, and Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start. Many people host on Airbnb, including some friends of mine, but there are some people out there who've never even realized their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you've got yourself an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host. Isn't it obnoxious when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print or bills that seem to go up for no dang reason? Like when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying even more than you would have elsewhere? At Metro by T-Mobile, there's nada yada yada. That means no contracts, no price hikes, no surprises. They don't even want me to speed through the legal, so here it is. When they say no price hikes when you join, they mean your price will never increase for talk, text, and smartphone data plans. Their only exclusions are for limited-time promos, per-use charges, and third-party services. I guess that really is nada yada yada. At Metro by T-Mobile. Nada yada yada. And go to a... Watch a movie set. (laughs) Watch a movie set and go for a month of like a shoot. And then have the rap party. 
and watch all the like built-in sexual tension like kind of explode. Really? Oh yeah, like any, you know, it's like there's movies about, like any business is like that, right? Like the corporate office party. Mm -hmm. It's like, and alcohol, unfortunately, you know, the judgment kind of goes and people make (laughs) mistakes. So it's, it's, it's a dangerous world out there. But what's the root of it, in my opinion, is the fact that everyone is a sexual creature and it's on their mind whether they want to or not, you know? It's just like, you just feel it instinctually, you know? Like, Does that happen a lot? How many movie sets have you been on? Because you do mostly TV, right? Have you done Yeah, I've been on a bunch of movie sets, though, too. It's the same with TV. I mean, it's not that people are going around being sexual all day. I'm just saying that I would like people to honor the fact that it's there, you know, and that it's obviously a really tough world right now to navigate for everybody. And... Uh, some of the dialogue I see happening seems a little black and white to me, and I yeah. just which know. which dialogue? Just all just the, the the dialogue about the giant gray area of of interaction of you know one of the things I've talked to a lot of women and they'll say something like the days of like complimenting a sweater or something they're kind of like over it like they don't want those compliments about. Certain yeah, articles like sweater, of clothing. Yeah. yeah, like, oh, I love your sweater. Like, even that can be a problem now for, for women because it feels like it's coming from a maybe a sexual place or a, oh, let me, whatever. But a lot of the girls I've talked to are very open. It's like, if the guy is attractive, if the guy is like someone you're attracted to, then it's okay. But if it's like someone who's not attractive, then you don't like it. Right? So how do you know if they're attracted to you or not? A lot of guys are trying to say, hey, I'm a great guy. Like, I'm a catch. So how am I supposed to know that you think I'm creepy when I'm yeah. not? You know, and I think to me, I'm like looking. I'm like <laughs> looking at the girls. Sure? I'm looking at the girls. <laughs> They're like yes or no. <laughs> I'm like uh, terrified right now. But no, I think that's an example of a gray area that just doesn't get yeah. talked about. It's tough. Yeah, and it's tough for look. Guys have had it good in so many ways. Right now, everyone's pretty darn lost. And if you talk openly and truthfully about it, most likely it's going to be reactive and eviscerated. Yeah. Uh, and you saw it. So everyone's quieting until some energy shifts where they can have a real better dialogue about it. Uh, but anyway, that's that's some of my thoughts on it. Do you have, do you have any uh, male actor friends that have gone through some challenging times that have come to you for wisdom and advice and... No, no one, <laughs> no one comes to me for wisdom and advice, no. Uh, no, I, I'm trying to think if anyone's really been in trouble. No, I just, in the beginning of the wonderful Me Too movement where, you know, women are finally getting what they deserve in a lot of ways. I mean, and there's still tons of stuff to be done. But someone pointing out a gray area, kind of like on Twitter or whether it's Matt Damon yeah, or yeah, someone yeah. like that, just getting eviscerated. And, and uh, yeah. I think by, by definition, there's going to be no nuanced discussion of, of gray areas on Twitter. Right, right, right. <laughs> People just stay away from those. Those yeah. are the headlines. And, yeah, and exactly. so, uh, yeah, I mean, long-form stuff like this is a way of doing it, and I think For it's sure. really powerful. And I don't know. I just want everyone to kind of forgive each other more. Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be really great. Why it, do you think we hold on to so much anger or frustration for so long about anything, not just Me Too stuff, or, but anything in general? Why do you think we hold on to these things for so long? That's a great question. I really don't know. I mean, I, if I could take a stab at it, that anger is an actually 
pretty, it can feel really good to be angry, especially if you're sad or, you know, have any of the lower things. Like, yeah. anger is actually pretty powerful. Like in sports, for example, if you're scared on like a big match point, there's mental mm. coaches who say, just work yourself, find something to be angry because that's going to be a more powerful state than wow. fear. Yes. Uh, so, I don't know. That's a stab at that yeah. deep philosophical question. Do you feel like you're an angry person or have you had anger throughout the last 15 years of acting? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not really angry around. I have a lot of anger in my personal life. I don't know where it comes from. My dad had a big temper. It's scary at times. Uh, and kids, I don't know you how can't many control your listeners kids. you can't, and they can trigger you in the deepest ways. And they know how to manipulate you, probably, right? They start getting there, but even when before they're in that stage, they're they're triggering whatever your issues are with yourself or how you were raised. And generally, like my son, who is a boy, if he does something that reminds me of maybe something that I don't like about myself, let's say an example like you know, a culture where being a guy and being scared isn't really allowed, and then you see your son being scared, it's cute for a bit, but then at a certain age, you know, it starts to trigger me, like, hey, man, like, get it together. You <laughs> How old is, is your son? five, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm like, you can't be, right. I'm not going to escort you upstairs. Right. There's nothing upstairs. you got to be brave. And right. I try to be. I've gone under the, the covers the whole time. I've gone under the bed. I've shown you there's no monsters. Yeah. yeah. When are you going to grow up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, but I find anger to be very confusing. You know, obviously relationships spark it and kids can. Uh, A lot of the yogic principles, it's just like it's primal anger that, you you know, it's born with. You can see a two-year-old rage like nothing else. It's not, I don't think anger is shameful. I don't think it's something, I think it should be embraced and loved in that sort of spirit of how do I take this innate part of me and make it Mm non-destructive. And that can be through CrossFit and kickboxing or whatever. Meditation, yoga. Meditation, yoga. But sometimes that's hard, too, because you can think you've released it, but anger is a trick. Suppressed it or something. Yeah, it's got a ton of energy, and anger is incredibly powerful. And it can come back in a moment and trigger you. Oh, man. And so, you you know, I think you've mentioned you have some anger. You know, I think all we all do. I think I've, uh, I think I had a lot of anger, and sports allowed me to release it in a very safe environment yeah. to where I didn't have it. Because yeah. I could get it out in this container of two, three hours and let any of my emotions out, you know, just headbutt people all day, and then I was fine. How, and, then the I was, and then I was exhausted of all my energy, and I was just like, oh, I could sleep peacefully. And do you uh, still get triggered, or are you are you kind of? I get triggered all the time. The thing is, I'm so aware of it now. Yeah. I'm so aware of it that I'm like, okay, it's kind of like I recognize the, the two wolves inside of me, the, the good wolf and the bad wolf. I love that old metaphor. And I'm like, okay, which one wants to win right now? Which one am I gonna feed? Love sometimes that. I feed the, the bad wolf, yeah. and it comes out. You know? uh-huh. and, and, but most of the time I'm feeding the good wolf because I'm consciously like, okay, this is triggering me. Why is this triggering me? Why do I want to punch someone in the face right now or go through a wall? Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I could take down a building. I literally feel like I could run through this building, yeah. and the whole thing would crumble. Yeah. I know I would die before that would happen, <laughs> but I feel like in my mind, I feel like that's possible sometimes with that much power. Think of that, that much energy. I mean, That much energy, but I, I'm so conscious and aware of it that I, that I just practice the right things, and I make sure... 
you know, I was having a, a challenging conversation with my girlfriend last night. We have a long distance relationship. She's Latina, which you are familiar with. Your yeah. wife's Latina. Yeah, from Venezuela. And um, so there's a, there's a language difference. She's probably 70% eng- speaking English, fluent. Okay. So there's sometimes some misinterpretations sure. of like nuances. <clears throat> there's a cultural difference. There's a, just human being differences. Yeah. We're just different people. And I remember I was like getting triggered by something she was saying. And I was like, I could react and I could get loud and do those things. Or I can, and in that moment, I just started to smile. I started to Ooh. smile at her. I was like, okay. I started myself getting like clenched and defensive and being like, she doesn't understand me. She doesn't get me right now. Like there's, there's a misunderstanding of our culture, yeah. our language. But let me just smile. Let me just smile. And keep smiling. And she kept like speaking. <laughs> she kept saying stuff. Is this on the FaceTime? On FaceTime. Oh, okay. So I just kept, I was just like, I was like smiling, smiling. And she goes, why are you smiling? I go, I just love you. I just love you so much. And then she started smiling and then we started laughing. And then it's like it became calmer and calmer and relaxed. And would you ever tell her though that, that, that something had been triggered? Probably, yeah, yeah. I think I told her later in the conversation. Yeah, because that's I was like, to me this is the, the way it makes me feel. This is how what I'm experiencing. Right. So that to me is the biggest thing is because if you just smile and say I love you and then never have that conversation, you now you buried something. You buried it. Yeah. So you've got to say what's on your mind. Yeah, and that's something that I we all struggle with. Yeah. Uh, like there's that old thing, you know, choose your battles when you get married, and it's like. Is that what you do? I did, and I'm like going more, and I'm sorry, sweetheart, if you're listening, but I'm, I'm going to choose all the battles because I actually think the battles are, uh, I'm, I'm beginning to, and actually Jordan Peterson kind of got me on this train, was like the festering of an unchosen battle, you know, is legit. And I think... Um, it's like a bomb coming out in a bigger battle. And, and, and the tricky thing is what... How to choose the battle in a responsible, non-destructive way. In a loving way. Yes, and I think that's the hardest thing to do because you get angry and you want to hurt and you want to and you want to win. And at least I do, and I think a lot of people <laughs> do. And so it's like, do I sit on this and then go to sleep and then wake up and then talk about it tomorrow when I can actually speak calmly? What is the level of real mental power that you have, and you clearly have worked on it a great deal. Mm-hmm. You have that, but I have a ton of respect for people who, you know, or empathy for people who don't. And right. and it's like, you know, you, you fly off the handle, and then it's like, damn, and then there's shrapnel everywhere, you know. And the challenge is when we fly off the handle, it takes us off of our mission. It takes us off of a life of purpose and a life of actually impacting people or our dreams or whether it's your acting career or something, it takes us off the thing that we want to be doing. Yeah. We put our attention towards anger or the triggers or where we're being hurt. Yeah. That's what I found because I've been really good at winning battles uh-huh. in past relationships and friendships and intimate relationships. And then I feel like crap for days afterwards. Uh-huh. And my energy goes towards feeling like crap as opposed to putting it towards something productive. Sure opposed to being positive or being in service towards other people or yeah. what I want to work towards. So I think that we've got, I've learned the hard way many, many times over and over that that doesn't work. And I'm still trying to figure out the balance of how do I be honest and share how I'm feeling without it being destructive, like you said. And I think that is the ultimate test for so many of us. Oh, man, it's a huge, huge Especially challenge. probably with kids and being married. Yeah. And 
oh, there's, and, you know, lack of sleep or whatever, the amount of environmental forces. There was, I had, this is kind of comical at this point, but there's so many kind of uh, healers in Los Angeles, part of the reason I like, and there's some frauds, but there's a lot of super legit people here. And um, I went to this woman, uh, and I'll think of the name of the actual practice. Grinberg is, I believe, the name of it. But basically, it's like it's like energy moving through breath. But having been dealing with anger and not wanting it to be destructive, I was turning to this tool that a friend had recommended. And really, it's like if when you're feeling it, she's like, really pay attention to where it is, like in your gut. And then just... Like you just like pretend you're pushing against the build, like you're trying to break open a building and you just go, 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 go until you can't and you're holding your breath and you're clenching and you're creating as much tension. And then you just take like, and you just go, 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 and you let it all out. You let all that tension go. And then you think about your problem again. And there was pretty profound. Wow. But it's, it's really like, there's a physical thing that has to be released. You have to release it. Anger. And it's like, I've air punched, you know, like, even with a kid. Like, a kid, like, doing something. I'm like, it just it doesn't. <laughs> and instead of, like, showing them, I'll walk around to the living room and it's like. <laughs> really? Oh, just because I'm, like, trying to not, you know, become destructive. Yeah. Wow. But. I hope that's more normal to people. I, I'm not like the Incredible Hulk or anything. It's just right. like, we I think most outlet. people I talk to, where there's, it's just angry. <laughs> just angry. <laughs> um, it's hard to be at peace 24-7. It's impossible. I mean, it's, uh, it, you know, maybe, you know, the Buddha. Uh, who else? It's maybe crazy, Jesus. Right? I don't know. So you're you're focusing on the where the tension, the anger, resentment, frustration is. It's in your stomach, your chest, your throat, your head, wherever it is. And then you're putting your energy and your attention, squeezing it. You're making it worse. So you try to like- Intensify it. Intensify it and get it burned. Until until you're tired. Until you like can't and you push it and then you, and then you just all your thing to let it go and start breathing like crazy. Huge breaths in, just like releasing it all. Look, sometimes it, it doesn't work. It oh. did when I was working with her. It was working a lot better. I've tried it a couple times. It's not so working. It's starting to fade. Now you're air punching the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I need a new. No, I mean, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think anger is a big old mystery uh, where, it, you know, where it comes from. And uh, mm. I, I don't. I, it's useful and it's destructive at the same time. Like anything. Yeah, it's not good or bad. It just is. So. What has been the... Uh, the journey for you as an actor, you've been 15 years now acting, is that right, or more? Yeah, I think my first professional job was 2003, so 16 years. 16 years? Yeah. And what was that big break? Uh, I was selling knives in New York. Cutco knives. Cutco right? knives. And um, I was doing this very off, off, off Broadway play that a Fox executive came and saw because there was like, you know, some legit actors in it. And uh, that got me a general meeting with Marsha Shulman who was visiting New York for the upfronts, and I went in and sold her a studio set of knives. I was a very, I was- Wait, the the Fox executive. I came and I was like, I never, this is my first general meeting with anybody in the industry, and I- You had a box of knives with you? No, I had had an order form, 
in my book bag because I just was rolling. You know, I actually had them all. Yeah, yeah. You had your knives with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just take it to this acting meet, intro meeting. Yeah, because I think I had a knife appointment after that or something. <laughs> and so I was just like, what is, she's like, what are you up to? I'm like, I'm selling knives. I don't know if you ask me. And, I, and she, I, she bought a studio set, which is a great set. It's four knives. It's the spatula spreader, the petite carver, uh, the super shears, of How much course. is that? It's like 180 bucks. Oh, it's not yeah, yeah. Well, so you you pitched it to her. You did the demo. This is 2003. You, know? um, <laughs> you did the demo. Yeah, I don't think I cut the penny or the rope, but I did. You know, I I went for it, and she was tickled pink, and so she not only bought the knife, she gave me what's called a holding deal, which is um pretty nuts. It's basically they just pay you so that you don't go to another network. Shut so up. I so got, you don't go and act anywhere. Yeah, I got paid seventy five thousand dollars to just be owned by Fox for six months. What? It was crazy. And I had been, I was making, you know, I was- You were making I was, 100 bucks a month. I, things were about to get very interesting in about a month with money running out. So it was like a, I celebrated, I screamed. It was just amazing. And then- on, In that meeting, she was like, I want to give you a deal. Oh, uh, I left and my agent goes, that, that meeting went well. They're offering you a holding deal. Just like that? Yeah, like an hour. Yeah. And then it was absurd because uh, I got flown out to L.A., put in a town car, put up at the hotel that I can see from here, right by the Fox lot, and driven around to auditions by a driver. Shut up. How old were you? I was 23. And I was like, that was easy. (laughs) That was like six months in New York. And then, uh, like an idiot, all went to my head. Well, I was just like... That was so easy. The show got canceled. I got the show called Cracking Up, which was with Jason Schwartzman, Molly Schwartzman, Molly Shannon, Chris McDonald. Mike White wrote it, who's a big writer. Anyway, that got canceled. And uh, I was like, oh, well, what, what's the next one going to come Something on? Something else will come along. I'll yeah. just roll into these auditions. <laughs> won't really prepare. I'm sure they'll get it, you know. Really? Yeah, really kind of like lazy, non-respecting how competitive and hard it was because I really... It, it, it wasn't hard to get my break in a lot of ways. So, Isn't it almost that's the mentality you need to go in with, though? It's like, I don't need this. I don't want this. And almost give it to you for free. It's kind of like a swingers type of... Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, if yeah. you act like you don't need this, like it's your life depends on it, then you're not needy, bringing that needy attention and energy, and they're going to give it to someone who's actually more relaxed and more... That's the, such a tricky part of the business, because it's like the effort you put in, it doesn't pop out. It's right. like... It's this weird energetic soup where you, like, confidence and mental health and, like, belief. But, you know, if you work too hard on something, it can get stale. So there's this weird little mystery about rolling mm-hmm. in and booking something. I mean, you, you want to be prepared and you want to... Everyone should be working hard on the craft. And, yeah. yeah. Did you, so did you start booking more stuff and on these auditions afterwards? Oh, I like, didn't work for, like, a year and a half. Oh, and okay. I was like, all the money I made... <laughs> It was gone. All of a sudden, my apartment in L.A. started having more roommates. And I was like, you know. Paid for rent, yeah. Yeah, because I was like, and then, actually, I was about to leave the business. I had a girlfriend at the time who was not into the life. And uh, I was, like, interviewing to become a banker. Shut up. I, I was beginning to set up because that's sort of the world I came from. And I was like. Here's a stable income. And you like, went to Brown. You did like... Yeah, I could get a job at like J.P. Morgan probably if I wanted to. So you're 25. Yeah. And you, then... You would go a year and a half of not booking anything. Yeah, and I went... I moved to New York. I kind of like... I was like, I'm done. Really? And as I moved to New York, I went into another audition for these Cullen brothers who were actually... I'd done a pilot with. But I like... I just... I was 
supposed to be playing a thief, like a... When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too. in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The carb fear is real these days, but why does it feel like the carb-heavy foods are what we tend to love the most? After years of wishing there was a better go-to option when the carb craving hits, I've finally discovered Hero Bread. Hero Bread makes those same delicious bready favorites free of consequences or compromises. Now get this, Hero Bread has zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and is high in fiber. They've got an option for every craving, including sliced bread loaves, tortillas, and buns. So you can still enjoy that soft, fluffy experience you love when having a refreshing BLT, savory breakfast burrito, or delicious cheeseburger. Hero Bread also does small batch drops each month of indulgent favorites like the 2-gram net carb Hero Croissant or the 1-gram net carb Hero Cheddar Biscuit. Now, Hero Bread looks, feels, and tastes just like any other bread you'd get at the grocery store, which is exactly what I was hoping for. Their white sliced bread is so good, and every time I make a sandwich with it, I can't believe something that tastes this good is actually adding extra protein to my meal. Don't give up on being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use code greatness at checkout. That's greatness at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Cool thief. And like, for whatever reason, I just rolled up in like an overfitted suit. Like it was a terrible choice. And I just did it really weird. And they were like, you're perfect for this. They were like, you're in. And I was like, what? And then that became a series. And it was like, it was like right when you're going leaving, it got, and that kind of built this relationship with NBC that kind of went for many years. Wow. Oh, so you did a bunch of shows with NBC. A lot. Yeah. I did like six series for them. Wow. I remember I had a conversation with, um, Max Greenfield. Do you know Max? Well, he was He's a new good girl. buddy of mine. The new, yeah, 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 yeah. He was in the show new with girl, you. New girl, yeah. New girl. And, uh, the we new did, girl. I love that. <laughs> new girl, right? Yeah, yeah. new girl. No. We, were, we did CrossFit together. I would see him at the gym every, every day. Pretty oh, much. he's a CrossFit nut. Machine. And so one day, and I would kind of compete with him. I knew he was a little competitive, so I'd be in the rower. But let's go, Max. You know, I'd be competing. And he was like, who's this guy? Yeah, erg. And then um, one day I was just at Earth Bar right near the CrossFit place and started talking to him. I go, hey, I got some questions for you. You got, you got a few minutes? And he goes, yeah, sure. We talked for about 30 minutes. And I was like, tell me about your journey of being an actor. Was it, were you always like this big star and like on these hit shows? And he goes, I've been out here for 10 years. Yeah. Freaking struggling. Oh, yeah. And not booking a thing. Yeah. And every time I was going to leave, something would pull me back in. Like I'd get something small that would be pay me enough for the next two months, three months. And then I'd wait for six months and I'd get something small. And uh, he's like, it took me 10 years to yeah. get like a role that actually paid me something. Yeah, he, he had a journey. He had a real grinder. I mean, and it's, he deserves everything. He's talented. Oh, he's so talented and funny. How long were you on this show, that, uh, on New Girl for? I, was, I came in season two as like a love interest. And then I got about a boy. So I, I, oh, that yeah. lasted two years. 
And then when About a Boy ended, they decided to bring my character back as to be like the final love before Zoe, like, and J Jake Johnson's character, Nick, like, together. end up together. Uh -huh. So I was sort of like, I would, you know, look, it's not official, but I would say I was like, of all of Zoe's love interests, mm. I was I was the deepest and closest sure. to to really working. That show did amazing. What was it six seasons, seven? Seven, I think, officially, and uh, it lives on Netflix. And it's just uh, it's pretty extraordinary what that streaming is doing because it like The Office and the and Friends being the most popular comedies on Netflix. Crazy, right? So so still. So New Girl, I don't, I don't know the numbers, but my sense is from being out in the world and being recognized that, that New Girl has tons of sort of cult followers who are always... Are you recognized the most from that or yeah, from... Yeah, I get about a boy with bad moms or um, some Fired Up is a cult classic people love. Uh, and then some, always some weird ones, like, you know, just out of nowhere, you're like, damn, man. Like Perfect Couples was a series I did that has a lot of fans and then... Um, burlesque. <laughs> I was Stanley Tucci's lover in that, so sometimes I get recognized. <laughs> <laughs> what's the best part about the acting business for you, and what's the worst part? Oh, that's a good question. I think the best part is um, not knowing where you're ever going to be and that there's this kind of infinite possibility at all times in your life that you can all of a sudden be attached to some project in a new city. You know, we got a call, my wife and I, for example, like, in late August, and it was like, do you want to do this movie in Chicago? And within 10 days, I'd moved my family there. We were staying in this great house and exploring a new city with my kids and my wife in the same movie. And it was, I love that feeling of adventure and the fact that you can, that freedom we were talking about earlier, soaring, but the fact that it's achievable in a marriage mm. is really amazing to me. And then um, I think what I don't like is sort of tied to that is that you don't ever know where work's coming and and uh, and also just the amount of waiting around time you do. It's so much waiting, right? You get you get this excitement. We're gonna launch this series, and then you're waiting what three six months until you start filming, and then yeah, and then, yeah, and then you're on set all day for like one scene. Yeah, and it's just a lot of just twiddling thumbs, and so it's really, really? paramount to have if you're around fun, good people, then you're hanging. But I've yet, it's hard to be productive. You know, I've stirring other pots. So I'd love to like just shadow cruise one day, like on set, like to see how, or like one of these, or The Rock, or someone who's like acting, but like you know. Building an empire on the side. Yeah. yeah, you know his downtime is operating. And I'm sure he's got a bevy of assistants and stuff, but like, because I love, I love that feeling of moving missions and projects forward and on set, it, you kind of, it's, you get derailed really easily. You gotta focus on the craft in that moment. Yeah, and then, but then like, it's like, all right, for 10 minutes, actually it's an hour. So it's like, you were, you were ready, and then now you're, you have to stay ready for another hour, and are you doing, what are you doing to do that? Are you probably just eating M peanut M&M's? <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah. Who are the most inspiring actors in your mind for you? Inspiring? Where you're like, man, these people are just, they I, I, me, I actually, careers. I'm gonna say, it's Tom Cruise, man. Like, I, I just find his energy uh, and zest. And I know, like, perfect example, I'm sure he doesn't touch alcohol. Really? Yeah, like, oh, Clean. it's just, he's like, 
he's just operating. He just seems clear in a way, not to say I'm a Scientologist in any way, and I really don't know anything about it, but I use clear for non-Scientologists. It's like yeah, yeah. people that don't have a ton of clear baggage. Clear is a Scientology term of like it's a, getting clear. Yeah, right? but I don't want them to own that term because <clears throat> I right. think it's a great- Clear mind. Yeah, and you're clear and you're, and like you are, you're presenting who you are, you're present with people, you're respectful of people, you're not, operating from a place of ego you're operating from a place of isn't this playground world insane and i get to play in it and tom cruise is playing in it on such a high level he's like, a master he's of that literally like flying fighter jets and like helicopters jerking out of airplanes out. making huge spectacle movies that delight worldwide audiences and then for stuff that i don't like which is like the publicity stuff which this is wonderful but like doing a three-minute clip on today's show is just like all stress, no substance kind of thing. Yeah. Just being charming, you know, for three minutes. He does that like a, he just crushes it. And so, yeah. The three-minute charm sessions, he's a, the master. Yeah, and I think at that level, they probably extend to 10 to 15 minutes. Right, right, and right. now he's fun, and the world is kind of like, he's just this relaxed little, you know, playground for him. So, yeah, his, he's got an electricity that I find. I've never met him, but I really want to. And what would you ask him if you met him, if you had three questions to ask him? Ooh, cruise questions. <laughs> Gosh, you can I only ask him three. Think about that. I may have to send these in. Yeah. I would ask him, I go, what do you think the number one way to get <laughs> clear is? <laughs> he said, well, I right down the street. The <laughs> Good facility, yeah. Um, but how to get clear, okay. No, I would, uh, yeah. Um, I would say, how, would you, how do you deal with your fear? Do you think he has a lot of fears? I assume everyone does, and I assume that that's, I, I don't know, I don't know. And if he says he doesn't have fear anymore, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I would wanna know his, his morning routine, I think, and maybe um, his type. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no, you, that's just off the top of my head. Sure, sure. How do you, uh, how do you deal with your fear? when you're going into oh, it's a, gig, hard. a gig, a conversation. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm really aware of it, you know, and... Um, and what is the biggest fear? Uh, being judged, being uh, rejected, or, or being judged, like having something I put out in the world judged and ridiculed. But don't you do that all the time with acting? It's weird, it's not the same. Like I've started writing stuff and you put it out there and you go, oh, like, it's this terrible feeling. Like, I've actually created that. Acting, you're interpreting words. It's someone else's creation. Yeah. That you're helping co-create it. Yeah, and you kind of get a sense, like, look, I did it. I know I was somewhat real. So it's like, now it's on them to, like, make it, you know, good. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's to like, I'm, it I'm doing the best I can with what I was given. And you to, can always yeah. blame it on someone else or whatever, <laughs> the, the writer, writer is. or whatever. <laughs> But when you create, like, if you create a business or something and it fails, like that, yeah, it's a fear of, it's a huge thing. And I'm, as that thing that um, I think you say, and even Jordan Peterson and Dax have all said, it's that thing of never comparing yourself to other people. It's comparing yourself to who you were yesterday. And mm -hmm. I, I, I find that to be very powerful. And I'm proud of what I've done the last year because it's really overcoming my fear of putting getting vulnerable, putting myself out there to be rejected in other areas besides acting. What do you think is on the other side of rejection and judgment? 
probably freedom once you get it all. You know, I think, I think I learned early in acting, people fear ego death more than actual physical death. So humiliation. Humiliation. Really? People fear the ego death more than dying. That's, uh, there's been some studies and it's like, that's why public speaking makes people terrified and all those things like getting up in front of people and, and taking risks or asking a dumb question in class, you know. What advice would you give to actors or anyone who's putting themselves out there on a stage in life uh-huh. um, on how to overcome that so it doesn't be the loudest voice in their head, but they can go through and kind of experience with more joy and I think and it's love. like anything. It's like just practicing doing it. So if it's, it's that... And I'm actually talking to myself because I have a deep yeah. fear of social media. Like I, You're never on there. I, I, it the makes last me, post was like June or something. It makes like, me really uncomfortable. Uh, we're going to do a post today. Okay. Together. <laughs> All right. And I'm like, just got nervous. I, I, yeah, I started scratching my rash. Uh, no, but yeah, I don't know what it is, man. I, I really... But you're an actor. You put yourself out there I know, the but I'm behind a film of someone else's work. It's, it's, you're, and it's a professional controlled environment. And I know that the raw, like, to you is... is I think I'm inherently private, and I just, I'm so scared of being judged and not liked in some way wow. that maybe that's why social media makes me so uncomfortable. Because, like, you know, someone can be like, what a, you know, dumb post, or I think you. I think everyone wants to be liked. Oh, I yeah. I think everyone doesn't want the world to hate them. I don't think that's anyone's default. It's like, I'm going to do this so people don't like me. I mean, you might have something off if you think that way, but most people want others to like them. I want people to like me. I get hurt when people say something nasty about me. But I think I'm also willing to put it myself out there because I believe in my mission more than I care about a few people judging me or saying nasty things. Like, those things will hurt and it will suck. But I'm just like, but this matters so much more. And if I put my energy towards my mission and I let my ego step aside and I focus on the people that are really close to me, that I care about, who love me no matter what, that's what helps me get through it. It still hurts me, it yeah. affects me, but it's like, I feel like the mission uh, of trying to be in service and help people is, is more important than my feelings of a few people not liking me. Yeah, and when you say that, I immediately go, well, I think my mission isn't quite clear enough to, mm-hmm. to, to overcome my resistance to those social outlets, you know? Interesting. And, and that if, uh, if I really believed in something specific, because it can be whatever you want it to be, but yeah. I'm not gonna like just talk about the eggs I'm making and stuff no, I like that. that. You know, I don't, I don't have that instinct at all. Sure. And I and I don't really like getting out of moments. I like being present. Yeah, I I, I think great. like one of my favorite books is um, Zen and the Art of the Motorcycle Maintenance, and it's a it's a classic. But it's it's this idea of like God is in the fully present of anything you're doing. You can be washing a dish like almost like sacredly and there's and if you're doing it with quality with the intention of quality with a capital q that like somehow god lives there that that's that's where the action is the the purest form there's a whole book about it on i don't know that's a facet of it yeah but. yeah there's a book called the way of the peaceful warrior oh, that uh, by dan good. millman which is there's a movie out of it too i'm more of a movie guy but um powerful example of a an athlete with a big ego, an all-American gymnast who breaks his leg, gets injured, and can't, can't perform in his sport anymore for a year or something. And that's his whole dream. And he meets this, 
gas station attendant who he calls Socrates, mm-hmm. who teaches him the lessons of being here and now mm-hmm. and this one activity you're working on, this moment, this washing of the floor is the thing. It's not yeah. the, the dream of playing and being an All-American. It's the present moment is what really matters the most and finding the joy and the love in this moment. Yeah, and finding uh, this idea of quality. like like The capital Q. Yeah, and it's this thing of like, you know, everything has a story and an energy based on, like, and you buy a terrible T-shirt that was made in a factory with terrible things. Right. It may look good, but it's going to do something to you, you know? Wow. And it's because there's... There's, there's some, no, no, I love your t-shirts. Are These are made, Nikes are probably not in the best either. No, no, I mean, but that idea of that. Yeah, of course. That's why qual- things that are made with quality and love, like, can have a profound Feeling. impact on people. Yeah. And in the things you do, even, like, when I know I'm in the zone, it's when I'm doing the dishes and I'm, like, feeling the water and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say, like, oh, look at this, this dish. I'm thinking about the story of the dish. And then I'm, like, what's the best What's a quality way of like mm. honoring this dish, yeah. getting it? And there's like this, it's like this dream to make everything you do almost sacred in a way. Mm. Like, and I think when you watch, you know, there's this great, uh, what's that? The Netflix documentary about eating chef's table. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and there's this amazing episode with a, with a Korean monk who has a garden there. And it's like everything she does I saw this one. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy, it's man. so good, and it's like the most simple ingredients. And chefs are like, "How on earth does it taste like this? It's just rice." It's the, and it's the love, and the attention. Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. I moved to Maine, and I, I'm looking forward to that slowness. And and cities have that energy. Yeah. And I think when you're just in a slow place, you're able to kind of, okay, I can do that. There's there's a four minute way of doing the dishes, and then there's a ten minute way that may teach me something. You know, and I don't know. I'm just going to experiment with that. It's powerful, man. I love it. Yeah. Living the main life. Uh, I want to respect your time because I know you got to catch a flight soon. Okay. Um, I have a couple final questions. This one's called The Three Truths. Okay. So imagine it's your last day on Earth many okay. years from now. Okay. You get to live as old as you want to live. It can be 100, 500. It can be as old as you want to be. Right. But at one point, you got to die. And you got to take all of your work with you. So all of your creations, all of your... The acting videos, the movies, they've all got to go with you. So no one has access to your content, your businesses, the information you've put out in the world. They don't have access anymore. You've taken it with you to the next world. And you get to leave behind three things you know to be true from your entire life and all of your experiences. All the lessons you've learned that you would want to pass on to your kids and the world. And you get three things to share what would be your three truths? Nothing is as it seems. Everyone is hurt. Everyone is hurt? Yeah. And don't, you know, don't be afraid to long hug. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's yeah. a good, that's, I mean, there's probably more to that. It's like <laughs> no, being no, love, intimate. Love, yeah. You know, I think... Uh, Fearless love is extremely, uh, extremely powerful. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I'll feel, I don't know, you get in moods. I'll get in closed off moods where I don't really want to be around people. And I know what it feels like to walk down the street anywhere and just, like, feel a, a sense of brotherhood with every, every human. Yes. I felt that, but I want it more because it 
it's fleeting and it, and it mm. goes. And so trying to churn, trying to figure out, you know, ways to kind of stay in that state, you know? Yeah. But that's powerful, man. Yeah. Those are good truths. I want to acknowledge you, David, for your childlike joy and oh. curiosity. You've got this joy about you and this, this childlike love. This whole time I'm experiencing it with you, and every time I've been around you and on screen, you bring this type of like joy and childlike curiosity and love and, and, and fun and humility and wisdom to you. So I want to acknowledge you for all those gifts that you have. Oh, amazing. Thank and you. Um, for even though we've only hung out three times now, I feel like we're really becoming good friends with, yeah. the, with the long embraces and the <laughs> yeah, long hugs. Yeah, that'll do it. It'll skip some steps. I there. know, right? <laughs> so um, congrats on everything, man. You're doing amazing work in the world. I know you've got uh, a business you're launching. I don't know if you're allowed to share what that is. And if you've got other stuff where people can follow you online, where, where can they go to connect with you? And Oh, well, first, I, I, I mean it. I think... I think uh, what you're putting out in the world and your intention and your mission is, is beautiful. Oh, it's, it's a v- truly beautiful thing. And uh, I think when you go and take everything, you'll have, you'll have left a, a massive imprint on this yeah. place. And I think that's really powerful. But as far as, yeah, I've got some exciting things that's actually kind of tied into some of the stuff I'm doing. But I'm curious about cues, the way people, it's really hard to unwind and to, and to, kind of feel relaxed and to rest. And I'm, I think people need physical things sometimes to do that. So I've created this bathrobe company. I have this bathrobe that's really, really lovely. And you put it on and it, and it does that for me. It kind of just tricks me into just chilling and get, getting into a restorative place. And so it's an upgraded bathrobe, really, of the, yeah. a, 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 an essential that people sort of forgot they need. Yeah, most men don't wear bathrobes. Right, a lot. Depends on your age and, you know, things. So anyway, these bathrobes are, will be available around Christmas, and I'll say some stuff on my, it's just my name on Instagram and stuff, and uh, at, at David Walton. And, uh, yeah, I'll have some more stuff as we launch this company. And if you want a, a, a nice bathrobe for Christmas, you're, it's called The Perfect Bathrobe by Wakanichi. I like it, man. Yeah, there you yeah. go. You'll have to post more on Instagram now. Yeah, when it comes out. Go. I may have to ask <laughs> you, you in for the advice. <laughs> I may be coming to you for advice, it's actually. Hot, man. It's about hot, man. that. And are there any uh, any new series or shows or movies or uh, Yeah, on? well, I just shot this movie called Later Days. It's uh, kind of like a breakfast club, but everyone's 40. It's an independent film. So oh, that's cool. Hopefully, in about a year, you can see it in the theater. So that's usually how long it takes. I know. It's annoying, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. It's hurry up and wait, right? Yeah. Amazing, man. Uh, I've got one final question for you. Sure. And it's, what's your definition of greatness? Of greatness? Uh-huh. I think it has to do with integrity. I think it has to do with knowing who you are, deciding how you're going to operate your life, the values, and then putting your money where your mouth is. To me, that's, that's great. It can be small, and no one can ever know about you. But if mm. you're living with integrity, that's a super high standard. Mm. There you go. Yeah. David Walton, my man. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Long hunt. Yeah, baby. Right, Come on in. <laughs> oh, my friends. We can easily forgive a child who is afraid of the dark. The real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of the light. Don't be afraid of your own light. Don't be afraid of your own gifts. You might have some opportunities in front of you that seem like they're scary, that seem like they're challenging, that seem like, uh, what if you fail? 
But what if you succeed? What happens when you succeed and you're able to inspire and help other people? You're able to get yourself out of this darker place that you're in right now and really grow into the person you want to become. That's what's possible for you. Not living in a space of constant stress, anxiety, pain, frustration, overwhelm, uncertainty. That's not who you are and who you're supposed to be. I hope you really enjoyed this interview with David Walton. If you did, share it with a friend, lewishouse.com slash 869. Just text one friend and say, hey, I love your thoughts on this interview. I thought it'd be powerful for you. Someone you think it might resonate with, send them a text and be a champion or a hero and help a friend today. Also share it on Instagram stories. I like to connect over there the most. You can post it on Facebook and Twitter and tag David Walton as well. Let him know that you're listening as I'm sure he would love to hear from you. We have some exciting big interviews coming up. I'm so pumped that you're here. If this is your first time, please click that subscribe button on the Apple podcast. Leave a review. Let us know what you thought about this. You can put a one star or five star. It doesn't matter to me. We just want to serve you and help you at the highest level increase and grow your life and improve your life and and bring joy to your life. That's what this is all about, helping you unlock your inner greatness and become truly who you were born to become. So leave us a review, write a message on Apple as well, review and tell us what we can do to make this better, what you enjoyed about this, how we can serve you specifically, what types of content you want. Let us know we are here for you and we appreciate you. I hope you know that you are loved. I hope you know that you are worthy. I hope you know that you are enough. I love you so very much. I appreciate you for being here every single week. And as always, you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation.